Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Join the podcast mogul Phil Better as he interviews successful entrepreneurs that make their living in the digital world. Now, let's join your host, Phil Better, and his special guest today on Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome to Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. I am, of course, your host with the most Phil Better, and today I am pleased to have Jared Spiwak on the show. Jared, how are you doing today? Yeah, I uh, can't complain. How about yourself? Doing excellent. Jared, um, I know a little bit about you. You have your own uh, digital marketing agency or boutique agency that helps ex- exceptional businesses fuel their business growth. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit more. more uh, tell us a bit more about your uh, company, Comet Fuel, and how you got started. Give you the somewhat quick version, and I'll let you dive deeper on anything you feel as though might be worthwhile. So, I got my start initially when I was 14. I was in high school at the time. I decided I was going to graduate high school early. So, I started college at 15, graduated high school at 16, went and got my marketing degree. And at 17, I got a corporate marketing job, which a little about eight months in or so, I realized that the corporate world wasn't going to be for me. I was there for a little bit over a year. I signed up for a site called Upwork.com, which was much less known at the time. It was just after the Elance Odesk merger. And I started working for about $5 an hour with the goal of trying to build up a portfolio and get hired somewhere else because I still had the attend, you know, got the got the degree about a month after I turned 18. Now I just need to climb the corporate ladder and basically I'm set. Nobody wanted to hire me despite everything that I was doing. So uh, kind of feeling down in the dumps, I continued on with like the Upwork stuff, just trying to uh, gain more experience, make a little bit more money because I wasn't happy with what I was making at the time either. Eventually, a marketing agency reached out to me and wanted to hire me full time at double the rate where I was making in the corporate job. So I left that job, was it was working for an agency, quickly became their lead SEO strategist. And over the course of about two years, I went from full time down to part time down to no time. And then towards the end of uh, 2017, I fully cut the cord. I was on my own. And then early 2018, I decided to start a, a agency at the time called Blue Dog Media, knowing that from day one that it would eventually be rebranded because I was just going, going, going without much thought behind it. And then in 2019 through 2020, worked on the rebrand and in 2021, officially launched the new brand of Comet Fuel. Awesome. So what got you first interested in getting into SEO specifically? Yeah, so it was pretty accidental. When I was being 14, I was too young to really work a traditional job. So what I did was I just Googled like a lot of people do, uh, you know, how to make money online. And I, I tried, you know, basically all those scammy things that basically pop up when you search for that. Uh, but one thing that did pop up was writing online. And I had an interest in writing in general, and I didn't mind it. So I was just writing a bunch of essentially filler content, very SEO heavy keyword stuffed content. This is back in 2012, uh, just kind of uh, making, you know, maybe, you know, a couple bucks here and there. But everybody kept asking for SEO content, they kept wanting uh, keywords stuffed into their articles. And eventually, somebody asked me to write a, a like a SEO 101 type article, which forced me to do some research into you know, what it was I was actually writing content for. And then that kind of stuck in my mind, but I ignored it for a while. And then eventually at the corporate job, they wanted me to do something very, very basic on the SEO side of things, which kind of reinvigorated like, oh, yeah, I've heard that term before. And then uh, through uh, the IT department that was at the company, they gave me access to uh, online courses that they had, one of which included an SEO course that I took and I got more interest, but it didn't really cement until I was hired by 
that by that agency to be within an SEO position. And then I said, okay, great. I'm going to learn everything and anything I can about this now. So it was a slow lead up to it. But once I was actually in a job position for it, then it was just all in. So you went from uh, like most people go from the broad niche, they're just going digital marketing. And then you just streamlined all the way down the funnel into being the SEO person. Uh, for a time, yes, uh, there's uh, basically what I was doing at the time was law firm SEO. That was all I was really doing. Uh, but over time, uh, what I what I tried to do was expand my overall SEO knowledge, which then included like, oh, here's stuff that's really only applicable to larger businesses or e-commerce businesses or B2B businesses or whatever it may be. And so I got to play around with uh, a lot more. And then uh, after a certain point, I started looking into Google ads a little bit more. It was something that I kind of avoided. I was always telling people, ah, it's not worth it, it's not worth it. And then I studied that pretty heavily for about two years before we officially started offering that uh, as a service as well. And one of the reasons why we started uh, looking beyond just a very traditional niche of like, oh, you work in just this one industry, just offer this one service was that we started working with uh, larger companies that uh, that essentially exclude us from working within particular industries for yeah, depending on the situation for potentially, you know, four or five years. Yeah, the NDAs and stuff like that as well. The non-complete clauses as well. Those simple things that make you a big businesses like you to sign. Um, <laughs> so you touched on before when you you left school early, which is a huge accomplishment. Congrats on that um, and graduating university early as well um you you start when you started your first job you realized that it was quickly not what you wanted to do right um what gave you the bite to become uh, an entrepreneur in the digital world like what what was it was there a moment uh, or what is your why like why did you decide to jump onto your own world uh, just because I thought it was more fun, to be honest. It's, uh, you know, that's mainly what I care about is just enjoying what it is that I do. The uh, When I was working for the agency that I was working for for about two years, I slowly became more and more involved with the leadership team. I had various ideas of where I wanted to see the business to go that uh, some of those ideas were just completely shot down or it made it seem like that. Uh, they just were bad ideas. And then I noticed that other businesses were implementing these ideas, not that they stole from me. They just happened to have the same thought process. And I was like, oh, so here's someone on one hand telling me that this is unrealistic, but here are essentially pseudo case studies of other businesses that uh, to some extent uh, validate that my ideas weren't a, a completely amiss. And so over time, I just started uh, kind of thinking about all the, way, all the ways about how I would uh, do things differently. And what I started to realize is that I didn't really know any companies that uh, did things the way that I did. Personally, I don't really care if I'm the number one or the number five in the company, as long as you know I'm just that person that's going to want to evolve it and be better. I could do all the same things I do now while still being an employee somewhere else. And there's no real difference to it. Uh, it would be the same exact thing, just the job title would be different. So... Uh, what happened was the company I, do, I wanted to work for didn't exist. So I thought, okay, great. Well, then I'll just kind of build that. And it was a slow transition from working for an agency to getting more involved with freelancing on my own to then having uh, a lot of uh, clients doing pretty well for myself on the freelancing side of things and going, okay, great. You know, do I want to continue with the freelancing or do I want to actually try and implement these ideas that I've been growing for the past couple of years? Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love how you were like... I like how this is doing, but I think we should do better. And then when you were getting shot down, you're like, fine, I'll do it myself. I'll build it. And 
I'll make it the business I want. I th- and I think a lot of the younger generation, like younger age millennials and the next generation, I think they're the Gen Zs, um, are doing that. They're realizing that the corporate world is too structured for the freedom of the ideas and seeing how quickly smaller boutiques are moving. Um, they're moving into that direction. Plus the internet makes it really easy to make money online. Um, nowadays, back probably 10 years ago, it was a little harder. Um, but yeah. Um, so what are some of the tips you could have for someone, let's say doing SEO or let's say, um, Google AdWords, you're saying your, or Google ads, um, what are some key points or maybe one or two tips that you can give someone, let's say a podcaster, if we're going to go through podcasting or just a simple business to use, uh, to up their game. Yeah. So one big important factor is what channels do or do not make sense for the vast majority of podcasters. Google ads and SEO won't make sense for the vast majority of businesses. SEO doesn't make sense. Uh, the most businesses have a very limited marketing budget. And so it's important to make sure that wherever you're uh, spending that capital is going to be as effective as possible, regardless of uh, you know what others are putting their money behind. So for example, if I was to try and market my podcast, I would focus very heavily on YouTube. I would really push that. I've noticed personally an amazing response to podcasts on YouTube and the amount of engagement and sharing to the point where, okay, great. It goes out on all the podcasting sites. I would then take you know the hour long video, break it into 10 to 15 minute snippets, post those on YouTube, then post on uh, social to get people to watch those snippet videos on YouTube. And maybe there's a link to the full version of the episode also on YouTube that I also post to the podcasting site, et cetera, et cetera, uh, because that's going to get way more engagement. And you're going to actually be able to see that engagement where on a, you know, Apple podcast, you don't have a, a comment section and a like, and you know, you're not pinning and hearting comments. You're not interacting with fans in a, in a very direct manner. So for me, uh, podcasting is all about interactions. And so social is going to get that the most, uh, for businesses. It really depends on the, for businesses in general, it depends on the type of business, which marketing channel does or does not work best when it comes to SEO. It's very bandwagon right now. It's some, it's that, uh, sexy, elusive marketing channel that everybody wants. It's, you know, Google's black box as to what works, what doesn't work, uh, the algorithms and all that kind of fancy stuff. Uh, the, the challenge is that, Google almost anything, and what happens? What do you see? Probably brands that you recognize. Mm-hmm. Google doesn't necessarily just say, hey, it's a big brand, so they're going to rank. But the velocity of results and the uh, the ease of gaining traction that more established companies have is greater. And so a large mistake that I see is companies investing too much in SEO too early before they've really established that. And maybe they're making a lot of headway, but then a... Uh, a new company pops up and you know they're quickly getting a lot more brand recognition. And so they just do what took you three years to do within six months. So uh, SEO can be, in my opinion, a much more cautionary tale. And on the paid media side of things, uh, if, if you have a, an actual established funnel, you have something to drive people in from top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom funnel, et cetera, uh, display video ads, uh, native ads, all these things are great. If you're going directly for the throat, if people are searching for exactly what it is that you sell, then you can look at shopping ads if you're e-commerce or search ads where somebody goes, I want to hire this. And you say, okay, great. This is something that I do. I love it. I love this great advice you're giving. And speaking of YouTube, uh, you're, you're currently boosting up your YouTube channel, correct? 
because I remember you mentioned you're trying to. Um, what are some of the videos that we can find on your YouTube channel that if we're interested in uh, checking it out and learning some stuff? Yeah, so right now there's not a whole lot on there, to be honest. It's something that I was producing content a little bit a couple years ago that I stopped for a while and then I've posted a thing or two. But as of right now, I'm trying to take it uh, more seriously, but I'm also too much of a perfectionist when it comes to this stuff. So I'm very, very slow where it's like, okay, great. Like this script sounds good today. Tomorrow I hate it and I need to start <laughs> over. Uh, but the one video out there right now that I that I think is worthwhile watching is called My Agency is Dead, which kind of gives a pretty... Uh, in my opinion, solid overview as to the baseline of uh, of the story that I have. It kind of sets the the tone, if you will, uh, for the channel, which is why it's the the pin video or featured video, whatever you call it, when you're on the the channel page. So there's that. And what I'm currently working on producing is I'm trying to have, uh, in my opinion, uh, in at least some regard, higher level content than what I've seen a lot of other people uh, put out there like we don't need another how to write a title tag video there's a a thousand of them you know if i'm doing that then you know that i'm doing it just for views i'm not necessarily doing it because i think it's going to be that helpful it's just to get people who are searching for that it's a pure keyword play if you ever see me do that what i am a lot more interested in is talking about how uh how cash flow management works and how that can really kill a business or how uh, you know, the marketing industry loves talking about percentages and averages, but both of those are horrible metrics for just about anything and how uh, ROI is really uh, overstated and volume is understated because most people want volume over ROI. And, uh, you know, when you see all these case studies that say, oh, 800% ROI, that's great. But if in order to hit that 800% ROI, that sounds like a high number, you were capped at spending $2,000 a month. Okay, great. That's 16 grand compared to you spending $300,000 a month with a 2X ROI. Okay, great. That's $600,000. I can do a lot more with 600 grand than I can do with 16 grand. And just these concepts that uh, that I talk about with clients that I see f- that I get frustrated with when I talk with uh, other business owners or other agency owners and just putting my thoughts out there that I literally have a Trello board with hundreds of content ideas that I've just never produced. So I'm going to slowly work my way through those. <laughs> Well, to be fair, you have been trying to build up your business, deal with your clients, and on top of it, run a YouTube. It's okay if one, if the YouTube channel takes a bit of a back burner over time. You're you're a little busy uh, helping your clients go to the next level. Um, but I want to go jump in and ask you if someone, since you've had like a long period of time, since 2016 approximately, you've been in in the world of uh, digital marketing. Um, what would you give to someone who's just starting? Like the advice for someone who's just about to say, you know what, I'm going to try being a digital marketer. What kind of advice would you have for them? Yeah, so the good news is that the there is no barrier to entry within the industry to the point where within the digital marketing space, if you look at any, you go on Indeed, Monster, et cetera, uh, what you're going to see for any sort of marketing job is, oh, you have to have your MBA, you have to have your bachelor's, you need four to six years of experience, et cetera, et cetera. Most people I know in this space uh, never went to college in the first place. They don't have degrees. Uh, Quite a few never even graduated high school. So on the digital side of things, especially if you go the agency route, the, the qualifications can be a lot lower because uh, a lot of what we do isn't really taught in these areas. Uh, like there, it just moves way too fast. And I've had enough conversations with professors to know just how much bureaucracy there is to make a minor change to the curriculum that uh, over the course of a year, there's way too many changes that ne- 
nothing's ever going to be up to date with today. Now, the so the good news is that it's very, very easy to get into the space. Uh, the, the bad news is, is that's also very, very easy to get into the space and anybody <laughs> can do it. And so uh, the, the advantage is that most people are lazy because a lot of businesses don't understand how it works. And so it's just very top level. And so all you really need to do is that the internet has democratized everything. Uh, YouTube, uh, Google, are you're going to be your best friends. There are Facebook groups, there are Twitter communities, there are uh, LinkedIn groups, most likely. Uh, there are, you know, any sort of social platform, you'll find a community in which you, you can ask questions, there's plenty of content that you can engage with. And uh, it's going to be less structured than necessarily a, you know, a course that you can go and buy for $2,000. And I'm not saying, hey, never, never go and do that. But if you're just starting off with the bare bones, uh, you know, just Google the how does SEO work and okay great here's a site okay great they link to other articles I'm gonna click on all these articles and read all the ones that they link to and what are these sites in the first place I'm gonna read everything that these sites have put out that's what I did when I got started and when I was hired by an agency it was originally as an on-page SEO with only a baseline SEO knowledge but I really absorbed myself within it and what happened was uh, within six or so months, I was the lead SEO strategist, which meant that I was then responsible for everything. And that's primarily just because what I did was I joined every forum, I joined every Facebook group, I created a custom RSS feed just to keep up to date with every article that came out. And I would back read up to years and anytime someone's like, Oh, uh, you need to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, great. Well, let's look at the opposite of that. And what happens if I don't do that? What happens if I do what everybody says you shouldn't do? Uh, and just really uh, read and learn everything you can and test everything you can. It sounds simple because it is, but why most people don't do it is because it takes a, a lot of time. And the only people who really will do it are people who are incredibly engaged with uh, what it is that they're doing. And if you're not incredibly engaged in it, then maybe you're not all that interested in it in the first place. Ooh, I love that. I love that little caveat at the end. If you're not really interested, you're probably not. If you're not diving deep into it, you're not interested in it. Move on to something else uh, that can spark your interest because there's thousands of things you can do online to make money. And uh, being a digital marketer is not necessarily the be all end all. Um, I, I, I want to know in your career, what has been your favorite moment? Like, has there been a moment, a standout moment that you've had that you're like, wow, this is like, boom, cements why I wanted to be a, a agency owner or even in the world of SEO? Yeah, so there's a, there's a couple of things. Uh, one of which is uh, when uh, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, which is only really developed over time and kind of ignoring everybody else. Uh, something that I don't really do anymore is consulting. The reason being is that uh, I started to realize is that when anybody gives you advice, they're not giving you advice, they're giving themselves themselves advice for if they were in your situation. And so no matter how impactful or you know, prominent that person is, the advice works for them more than it'll work for you most of the time. And so what I started to do was just kind of take my own path and just kind of ignore anybody who is telling me directly how to do things, but observing how others are doing things and realizing what was right for me, what wasn't. And one of those things was what I wanted to do was build something that was as uh, sustainable as possible, but also that was as uh, you, that challenged me at the same time. So when 
I was faced with a position of, okay, great, we're doing, you know, 20000 in monthly recurring revenue, but we're fully booked. It's really exhausting right now. The hours are ridiculous. Uh, okay, great. You know, everyone says hire somebody. I, I was thinking, okay, great. How can we actually, with the same amount of people, same amount of resources, get to you know, 60000 in monthly recurring revenue? Or how, how much can we push it? So and it dies into uh, automation, uh, reducing redundancy, and uh, all these things to really uh, build the moat as strong as possible to make the business as resilient to anything where it's not dependent on like, oh, now we have you know fifty people and two hundred clients, and you know if something happens, you know like a pandemic, and you know a certain number of clients leave, then we're gonna have to fire you know thirty people in order to make up the cash flow or whatever it may be. Is building something that can grow as large as possible with as small a team as possible. And that's been something that I've been very interested in. And what that has enabled me uh, and us to do is build uh, really interesting internal tools and softwares and scripts to automate and streamline a bunch of things, but also really challenge what we're spending our time on and ask, is this really required? Are, are we doing this because it looks cool and it looks fancy? Uh, and, you know, people, you know, clients will look at that and go, ooh, that, you know, that looks interesting. Or are we doing it because it's actually helpful? And how can we cut out uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the fat, if you will, to, you know, basically scale as much as possible. So that's one that's kind of, uh, kind of evolved over the, over, you know, the course of everything, if you will. Uh, but another uh, more precise moment was when I was looking at what we're doing on the on the Google Ads side of things, because at this point I had about eight years of SEO experience and I had only been really diving into Google Ads heavily for you know, two, maybe three years at this point. And we started developing how we actually did things. And one of those was our strategy that we call picture, P-I-C-T-R, which is just the point of looking at the greater picture of how everything that we do affects every aspect of a client's business. And so we're working with a, a, um, a solo therapy practice that charges many hundreds of dollars an hour. And so being a small business, their budget is limited. They can only spend so much on marketing. They have to be really careful with where they're spending money. And the, quite frankly, most people uh, can't afford their services. They're really there for people who, um, you know, for lack of a better description, really need their help and really need their help at a very high level as they have a lot of prestige that a lot of other people in their industry don't have. So a more traditional approach would be, Okay, great. Let's run the ads and over time slowly narrow down on what the most profitable or highest converting areas of the campaign are. Uh, but one of the ideas that we had was uh, what if we go to the US Census data, import that like 400,000 rows of data into Google BigQuery, which is a cloud based database, format that, get it a little bit smaller of a document, import it back into Google Sheets, and then create different income brackets based on uh, income levels based on who is the most likely to the least likely to be able to afford this service and bid accordingly based on how likely they are to be within uh, within a certain income bracket to be able to you know, afford several hundred dollars an hour out of pocket amongst other uh, specific uh, you know, research that we did to really define and refine this campaign from day one. And, you know, basically from day one, uh, the, the, it was night and day based on the quality of uh, respondents that they were getting previously to be to after. And that was essentially something that, okay, great, this process that I spent so much time and thinking about, uh, you know, just basically immediately uh, uh, proved to myself that it's worth continuing to pursue. So wait, let me understand this. I, cause there was a lot and I, I just want to simplify it for, for the listeners and myself, you working with a psychologist or a therapist charges a lot of money. And instead of going the old school route, which is let's do a whole bunch of ads and then segment them down into when it's perfect. You decided let's go to the 
the Census Bureau, which already has all this amazing data, took it in, made some magical stuff on Google, put into a spreadsheet, figured out who what, what's the best income bracket for your client, and then used that information to hit the Google ads, which then brought in more clients for the client. Correct, because the the way that the built-in features for income-based bidding work within Google Ads are not as effective as they can be compared to if you have the exact uh, income brackets compared to just uh, percentiles, which uh, which Google isn't 100% straight with everybody on how they work. So there is some mystery as to how they work. So we are going basically going above and uh, basically over Google to say, you know, we're going to define how this metric works rather than let your built-in system define how that works. Wow. That is probably going to be a, a, a golden goose for you moving forward with other clients since you have this information and it's only going to get refined better and better. And now everybody has it from listening to this episode, but, <laughs> but still the, the work necessary to do it is just insane. How long did it, how long did it take you to do that? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, a lot less time than you think. Uh, so what's, what's <laughs> great is that you can, you can export the data raw or you can pay a company that'll format the data into a nice CSV, uh, which can be done within like, you know, 40, 72 hours, as long as they have the capabilities. Uploading it into Google BigQuery didn't take time. It, it just, you know, just basically uploading a file and waiting yeah. for it to run. And then in order to utilize BigQuery, you need to know at least some basic SQL. I know just enough to be dangerous. And so I just looked at Stack Overflow and just copy and pasted, which allowed us to export only the data that we wanted within their particular service area. And then from there, it was a small enough data set to export that into Google Sheets because it can only handle like 4 million cells. But after like a million cells, it starts to slow down quite a bit. And so from there, we had... Uh, I want to say like 40, 50,000 different uh, zip codes. And all we do is very basic uh, query and VLOOKUP functions and just saying, if it's between this income and that income, uh, you know, tell us how many people are within that uh, range as well as what percentage it is. And let's play around with those numbers until we feel as though we have roughly uh, four uh, good size different income brackets that we can use. And then we can go, okay, great. Then show me uh, another you know query or view lookup saying okay great now show me everybody who makes between 100 and 150,000 export that and then okay great copy and paste that into the Google Ads editor which is a software Google created that is much faster and easier to use than the Google Ads interface for getting the ads built and then we just you know select all add the bid that we want and so there's a lot of automation slash streamlining built into the process. The most complicated part of that process, in my opinion, is just downloading the raw data from the Census Bureau because it's not built for you to just upload that into BigQuery and then just give you whatever you want with it. No, they, they, they're generally like, here's some information. Have fun with it. We're not going to let you know. You figure out how to use it. And then they just move on because they have their systems that do all their stuff. That That is just an amazing like out of the box thinking to f solve a problem for a client. That's I I'm amazed. Like I'm blown away by this and just thinking as you were saying, I'm like, okay, how can I use the Canadian census to help me for my clients in that? So um, thank you very much for providing that. I'm going to have to hire someone to do that because that's a lot more work than I'm willing to do as a podcaster. Um, <laughs> but I, I, we are coming to the end here and we're coming to what I like to call my favorite part of the show. It's uh, getting your advice on books for beginners or entrepreneurs in the world. Uh, what are some books 
that you can suggest for entrepreneurs to start reading? So to start upping their game, getting ready to jump into the uh, entrepreneurial world. Yeah, sure. So I have a very interesting relationship with books, which I personally only believe in situational reading, which means that until that book is applicable to me, it's just not worth reading. And some books can be incredibly dangerous if read too early because you may not actually understand, you might misinterpret the message. So for example, a book that everybody, almost everybody knows is the four hour work week. Yet if you go listen to Tim Ferriss, he says that a lot of people misunderstood that to mean outsource everything to India and only work four hours a week. <laughs> because a you leverage outsourcing to reduce your workflow and to get things off your plate that are the less than your effective hourly rate is a lot less sexy as a title. Yes. Or, that that, that uh, doesn't sound as sexy. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so like that's one that I've owned that I have not read yet because I've just seen it uh, kind of uh, steer people in a way that I think has been misinterpreted. So that's also something that I'm very careful about. But with that being said, a couple of books that I have found to be incredibly helpful for me, at least, was um, uh, Profit First uh, by Mike McAlevitz, something like that. I botched his last name, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it. Uh, that really helped us bring our net profit margins of the business from 25% to 40% within a year, maybe a little bit over than that. Because what it did is create uh, an effect, a very effective cash flow management system where, uh, and if you listen to Mike, he says like most people don't just copy and paste what's in the book, but you can build something that's pretty straightforward pretty quickly. And it's probably been the most actionable book, actionable book I've ever read. Another one is uh, Tax-Free Wealth. Uh, I can't remember who it's by, but it is part of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad series, which is uh, Robert Kiyosaki's brand. Uh, so uh, there's that. Uh, I would say those are some of the two books that I've found the most helpful. for. And then anything by Simon Sinek is good for the more uh, thought-provoking stuff. So Simon Sinek has... Uh, uh, start with why, find your why, eaters eat la leaders eat last. He also has, there's another book that he's written that I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but I would say those are the ones that are uh, the most memorable to, memorable to me outside of, uh, there are very various other ones that are very situational, like uh, yeah. you know, Zig Ziglar is very known on the sales side of stuff, but that might not be applicable to your business. True. No, I, I think those those probably would be great, especially the Simon. I've heard him come up a few times in uh, interviewing people and they say that he's a great person. So again, just getting another uh, entrepreneur like yourself, reinforcing uh, his message is always great. Um, Jared, I'm going to jump off. I'm going to let you let my audience know where they can find you, how they can connect with you. And if they need your services, how they can uh, get that from you. So the floor is yours, sir. Awesome. So if you want to know more about what we do, you can go to CometFuel.com. CometFuel is a boutique strategy first agency that helps exceptional businesses fuel business growth through Google Ads, PPC, and SEO without the typical agency BS. If you want to know more about me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Or if you want to support what I'm doing on YouTube, find Jared Spiewak, J-A-R-O-D-S-P-I-E-W-A-K on YouTube. And I appreciate any engagement there because as we talked about at the start, I'm slowly trying to build that up. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, I want to thank Jared for being here and sharing his journey with Comet Fuel and his entrepreneurial journey with us. Um, please make sure you go check him out. The links will be in the show notes down below. Um, Jared, I want to thank you so much for spending 30 minutes of your time with me and sharing it with my audience. Your story has been awesome and you've given us a lot of uh, information around SEO, but also uh, tools and tips that we can use to uh, make our lives better. Uh, to my audience, 
Thank you for listening and remember to invest in yourself.